1: All right, folks, thank you again for tuning in to another episode of Bucks of America podcast. Uh, this weekend, I am in Northern Iowa in Rockford, Iowa, to sit down and discuss Downrange Adrenaline Outdoors with Chris Vega. This is a revisit from our previous podcast, but the audio wasn't quite up to par, so I went ahead and we we're actually going to meet face-to-face and have a conversation here. So, Chris, nice having you on, brother.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me. i uh Last time I had a blast doing this, but uh, like you said, the audio kind of sucked. So, uh.
1: yeah, the audio wasn't quite there, and it's like it was weird though, because it's like I was listening to the audio, and it's like your side was perfect. It was my side. So when I looked at my my input right here, it was all the way up. So it's like it was crackling and popping, and it's like you can't remove that from the, the track because it was recorded in mono, and so it only has so much wavelength for it. Now, when you're in stereo, you can actually have a little bit more manipulation with the audio, so I had to start over here. So, downrange outdoors, it, down, downrange adrenaline outdoors is is a group where you it's like something you started to help bring veterans into the outdoor industry and then what i had it was a bunch of old equipment so i decided to give that to to chris instead of like selling it so he got himself a pair of boots a backpack and a seat now so this way then anybody that wants to come out he actually has give gear for them to either you can give them to them or just let them borrow so this way then they have something to carry their stuff in right i mean i most
2: trips i try to get something for the veteran to take home whether it's uh stuff like i got here uh fishing scents, scent walker uh hand de- or deodorizer from my, one of my sponsors and mm-hmm. i try to bring something besides or something actual physical besides the memories they can take home with them
1: yeah it's always a plus cuz this way they need, they have something for them that they can that they have a motivation to use out there in the field you know right right so what was the uh the motivation on starting the, the downrange and getting this, this whole process going to where you're now taking out uh, a half dozen to a dozen veterans out a year.
2: Well, uh, it kind of started in 2015. Well, before that, I got into the Iowa Army National Guard when I was 17 in
1: 2009.
2: Okay. And uh, always knew I wanted to do something after I got out to give back to vets and thank them for their service. In uh, was it 2015... I got picked up by a uh, another outdoors company as a pro staff hunter and uh, website designer for them. Okay, and uh, they told me they didn't want any doe or a little buck shot. Okay, for their company. Which okay, I was actually going after a hundred hundred twenty or hundred twenty to hundred twenty five inch uh, ten and eleven point that year. Okay, so you know that's not a problem. That I wanted to focus on those two deer anyway, Mm -hmm. so no small bucks. It's kind of with what I was going after that year anyway, and uh, I never ended up getting a shot at them, so they ended up letting me go because I didn't get a deer. Okay. And uh, from there, the the gear started turning, and it's kind of, hey, I can take veterans out Hunting and fishing to thank them for the service. Talked to a couple guys I was deployed with. And uh, they were actually uh, part of Downrange when it started. Okay. But for their personal reasons, they kind of had to back out a little bit, which is fine. They still support it 100%. And if I have any ideas, I know I can message one of them and bounce it off of them. One of them actually ended up becoming... uh, He's now the uh, vice president for Downrange Adrenaline Outdoors. So... We we still stay in contact. He was my best man at my wedding last year. Oh, so. nice!
1: That's right. Because uh, when well, before we talked to was right before your anniversary, now it's you hit your one year anniversary.
2: Yep. <laughs> um, no, he uh, he's actually in uh was a Kansas right now. We're on his way back from Kansas
1: from a turkey hunt.
2: No, actually, he went on a uh, blue cat fishing trip.
1: Oh, fun! Yeah, there's some nice sized cats down there. Yeah,
2: he got. Uh, One that's named near as big as him. So,
1: holy fuck. He said it maxed
2: out his 50-mount scale and wasn't even totally off the boat yet.
1: Jesus. That's a monster. But then again, it's like the further south you get, those catfish get huge. Uh, There was a catfish event earlier this spring. It was down in um, Texacoma Lake, and uh, like it's right there on the border of Oklahoma and Texas. And they had 200. And 96 teams entering in, the payout was $146,000. They paid out between or from... First place down to 16th place. And they even and the grand prize took home like 60k, and But even still then, you had to pass a lie detector too on top of it because you're giving out so much money. And uh, a buddy of mine, his name's Chad Anderson, he's on a previous podcast, and he was talking about how the breakdown of going down there. Like they had, a, had over several inches of rain, shifted the whole dynamic, completely different area from their fishing at, so they, they didn't even know what they're getting into. But they had a blast. They want to do it again, but it's like it's a it, – the, uh, the the tournament series are in, and you have to travel around all through Kansas, Oklahoma, Texas and anything. that right there you you have to build a residual income where you don't have to be dealing with a job to oh, be yeah. able to go do it yeah, like um, when i had a, a Joe, uh Joe Bricko on here he developed his um J- JT custom uh, products outdoors so this way he can go and do the aim circuit for walleye and it's like that's just fantastic he makes some awesome rods some like of that and then he also makes what they call the hot boxes i think is a really in- ingenuitive idea and what it is it's a aluminum box that sets on top of your hole and you put a, you attach a one pound propane tank to it and it heats that hole up and it's and he, they had it field tested down to 30 below 30 mile an hour or negative 30 wind chill and you'll be able to keep your hole open. So it's like and you watch some of his videos on his YouTube channel, you'll see the guys in the back distance there in their truck or their car waiting for that rod just to bend over in half. And he has an an excellent um, snare system that he explains on the podcast and also on his YouTube videos too as well.
2: Yeah, I mean, um, if you want to see the catfish, uh, check out on Facebook, uh, Enter Iowa's Outdoors. Okay. That's the... His name is Martin. That's Martin and his team, mm-hmm. and they just catch some ridiculous freaking catfish. I mean, they're huge. I they put my daughter. They make my daughter look like a baby sometimes.
1: <laughs> She's <laughs> That's awesome. almost five years old. So. Man, that is crazy. Yeah, this is, that's crazy how big those big old monsters get. I know in the Pacific uh, Rim area over there in like uh, Korea and such, I've seen some. They pull out some monster cats out oh, there. Yeah, they got uh, river monster. That that fish that uh, fishing fishing idol right there. He loves catfish. That's, just, that's like he oh, everywhere yeah. he goes. That's all he ca- goes after is catfish because there's some of the biggest animals out there uh, yeah, all across the world.
2: I mean, when he can get you know eighty to hundred year old fish. Mm-hmm. That- has done nothing but grow its entire life. Yeah, it's going to be
1: huge. Oh, yes.
2: Unlike, you know, say a walleye or a northern where they have kind of have that max limit where they're not going to grow longer than set inches. And, mm-hmm. But yeah, they're just, he just, they're uh, actually with cast King and a couple other companies too. So
1: Very cool. What else you got going on? So any Now this this year you spent a lot of time focusing on turkey. Turkey hunt. How'd that go for your season?
2: Uh-huh. Well, this year I what I'm trying to do is I have had veterans say they would like to go out on a turkey hunt. I never turkey hunted as a kid. Okay. So right now I'm trying to teach myself as I go. Mm-hmm. To the point where I can kill a bird myself that way I feel comfortable taking a veteran out cuz I don't want to take a veteran out when I know I haven't even got a bird to come in for myself yet. Yeah. So I'm trying to teach myself to get to the point I feel comfortable taking out a veteran, which this year just, just wasn't in the cards for me. So
1: at least you got out there and go do it. I've uh, been in rehab for the last six weeks for my hips. So it's like a, I got a really good chiropractor and she's helped me realign everything, but I still got another two months left or a month and a half left on my rehab schedule to get it. Cause it's like when you do a traumatic impact on your hip, it can shift everything and tear, um tear different uh, ligaments, stuff like that. And you, you she's making allow my body to heal, but it's, it's a slow process. Mm. And so setting down for long periods of time was not in my cards this season, but next spring though, I am going to be applying for some uh, tags for up there in unit one in Wisconsin to go fun- hunting with my buddy, uh Craig James. Cause it's like, he, does a really good job of breaking down his, approach and how he set up his decoys and and how he calls because come to find out that there's like because he doesn't do the mouth calls because like I salivate too much so but he uses different box calls and and chalk and stuff like that and he breaks it down where it's like you have different ranges for him because he has one where it's like the call can stretch over 100 yards and he has one that's at mid range between 40 to 80 yards and then he has one where it's like 40 and under so this way then he can get him to come in close enough for that and he strictly only uh, bow hunts he does not shotgun hunt
2: Yep, that's uh, kind of where I'm at. I put the shot d- shotgun down a couple years ago after uh, I used to party hunt with my grandpa and his friends, and they yep. all kind of dis- displaced, and uh, I just kind of never picked the shotgun up again after that, besides, you know, going bird hunting or something. Mm-hmm. Well, pheasant or whatnot, not turkey, but... Yes. Yeah, I mean, you know, I've put my fair share of deer down with the shotgun, and then I figured after I'm... Um, 28 started hunting for 16 years ago.
1: Yeah.
2: I've put probably with just because of group hunting, uh, put close to 30 to 40 deer down with mm-hmm. the shotgun. So at this point it's time to start focusing on a uh, little bit older deer and trying to take that mature buck instead of that yearling doe that walks by or a mm-hmm. two year old buck that walks by. So, and I, as you can see here,
1: yeah, the, uh, you you do have quite the collection of uh, mounts here, and it's like you, you, even your your grandpa's sitting behind me here is a pretty nice uh, example of what Iowa Northern Iowa can produce for whitetail.
2: Yep, that one actually uh, I was with him when he took it. We were all we were all uh, kind of huddled around. One guy had got a deer and it dropped just inside the tree line, mm-hmm. and the push was over. And we were all kind of down helping him out so we can get back to the truck, get to the next area.
1: Yeah,
2: and. Uh, he actually came in, circled around from behind us, and we all saw him, and I don't know how my grandpa moved so damn fast, but I didn't even get to my shotgun that was leaning up against a tree a foot away from me uh-huh. when my grandpa shot, <laughs> and he went, I think it was 20 or 30 yards and then dropped.
1: Nice. Good clean harvest there. Oh, yeah. And that was shot in what year?
2: Oh, it'd be um, 2005 or six.
1: Okay, so this is this has got some memory. And like before we started hitting the record button, you were explaining to me like what you want to do to commemorate your grandfather. Why don't you why don't you tell the audience like what you want to do for to instill his legacy into into your kids?
2: Yeah, uh, well, start kind of in the beginning. Uh, my grandpa always said from the moment he found out my mom was pregnant that I was going to be his hunter. I was going to be the grandkid that on it. I'm also the first grandkid, so it's not surprising that he said that. <laughs> Well, as it turns out, I'm really the only one that ended up hunting. My brother and, uh, one of my cousins, or two of my cousins fish, too. Yeah. But I'm the only one that followed my, followed my grandpa's footsteps into the woods. Mm-hmm. He had me in his deer stand when I was four. Yeah, I was uh four with him when I was, first time I, first time he took me out and ended up, uh, his last hunt, I actually got to take him on, was, uh. 2015 season
1: 2014
2: season okay he uh his health wasn't that good i'm like come on you know i started kind of doing my research and figuring out what weather conditions kick up deer movement a little bit and actually got to take him on the last hunt and uh or his very last hunt which was amazing for me he was able to take me on my first mm-hmm. he was with me when i got my first deer and uh I was with him on his first or on his last hunt. So that was pretty cool, but what I want to do is uh do a memorial mount for him, probably 3 by 5 stick in the corner. Uh I want to do like old uh old uh, farm corner fence post with the cedarwood post, rusted barbed wire have uh that mount up on the uh one of the posts. Then I have his uh I have his compound bow and his crossbow and his camo that I'll throw in there, have grasses and stuff with uh, his other D Rack scattered
1: throughout Mm -hmm. that. That's pretty pretty remarkable, memorial right there. Then, was he in the service too as well?
2: He was actually. He served in the uh, 1133rd out of Mason City as a truck driver.
1: Okay. So, did he serve during uh, the Korean War or Vietnam?
2: Uh, it was he was Vietnam era.
1: Vietnam, okay. Yeah, that's a rough, it's rough area because I know my, I have an uncle that's still alive that uh, served in the navy during Vietnam, and then uh, I had a grandpa that served in the Korean War or and so Those were both rough wars on both of them. So it's it's amazing on how they come out. Like my my uncle, he never touched alcohol. You know, it's like he. Never got in there. It's like he, I think he was able to process what he went through in a different manner. My grandpa was, he was a well, my uncle was in, in the Navy. My grandpa was in the Army, so it's like they saw two different battlefronts, right, right? And it came down to, but it's still no matter what, though. It's like there's, I was talking to a um, chaplain that was here a couple years ago, and they were going, they went to Fort McCoy to go through training because there was an uptick in suicides for. Uh, Veterans or service members that didn't even see uh, the theater, and and it's just like I think it was just that that thought of loss, and 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 just getting inside their head, and and it just got so alone that they didn't realize that they can reach out, and, and went the went the wrong direction.
2: Right, I actually know exactly what you're talking about. When uh, I was deployed to Afghanistan in 2010, 2011, and God, that was 10 years ago already. Yeah.
1: Okay. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so um, getting old.
2: I never actually personally saw combat, but. Uh, I was told, not officially by the VA that I have PTSD, but by other veterans that I've talked to and stuff that I probably mm-hmm. have kind of a mild case of it. Yeah. Just from the fact I was always ready for combat. So that I mean, it doesn't do a ton, but every now and then it kinda of messes with my head a little bit and but that's kind of how I actually came up with the idea for DRA outdoors was when that kind of stuff happened I First thing I did was hit the woods or the water, depending on what time of year it was. Mm-hmm. If it was fall and it was deer season, I was out in my stand. If it was middle of the summer, I was out in the country on some river bend in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. And through that, I'm like, you know, I can't be the only veteran this would help. This has got to help other veterans. And I mean, I'm I'm here for other veterans. If they need to talk... I don't care if I know you. I don't care if you were Army, Marine, Navy, Air Force. If you need somebody to talk to, I am here to talk to you. So let's hopefully uh, I can get that out there and I can start helping more veterans and help reduce the 22 a day.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a big thing. I work for a company that that's kinda like our mission is to help reduce that uh twenty two a day as well. And uh we're our our focus is on primary doing the compensation and pension benefits, which has been we we've kinda changed the shift of it. So before it takes several years to see somebody for a comp and pen. Now we've gotten it down to months. And then and then then they turn into weeks. So it's like it's like as soon as you submit something, if you're in a situation where we where a practitioner can see a it's it's a good reward because it's like sometimes that's the help uh, a veteran needs and when it comes in the time of need and that's a, I was like that's what kind of gravitated me towards you and also my uh friend john avalos out of uh florida he started a company uh years ago started a charity years ago because he was uh, his wife was stationed in uh uh up in new york i can't remember where but he being in that because she's I think she's a ner- uh, ex wife was a uh, uh, combat veteran or not no not combat but a medic I believe and being in that being in around being around the hospital stuff like he started taking vets uh, that were in their that were in bed and so I can get him out and go fishing and stuff like that and, and he's kind of blossomed it over the years and then it's like and it's set set up different chapters and his now focus like because uh, he has other people that are able to help veterans go out fishing because it's like it's just something that's easy and and it's like where he where, they, where they're at it's like it's something just, just the easiest way to get somebody in the outdoors and now he focuses primarily in florida with um fallen police officers and their families and and uh firefighters and stuff and he's really big in that and it's a uh, bash patrol outdoors and that's what he's been focusing on and it's like and he's getting back on his feet to launching his next a uh, plan of attack and how to get more people incorporated and getting back inside the circuit. Cause he used to fish on the Bass Pro tournament circuit for a couple okay. of years. And he just got to, you know, in my podcast, we talk about like how he got involved with it and how I got started with it. And, and it was it just like, and he just talked about his gradual progression.
2: Yeah. I, I mean, uh, as of right now, I, uh, I like to call DRA outdoors, a, uh, unofficial nonprofit. Yeah. Just for the simple fact of, I haven't been able to raise the, uh, Filing fees to actually file to become an an official nonprofit yet, but uh, I've done uh, t-shirt fundraisers. I have decals. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm in the process of uh, doing some uh, ball caps, and uh, so what I make off that every pretty much every penny gets put towards the veteran trips, whether it's gas to get them here, or throwing gas in my truck to, you know, go out and go fishing with them, or yeah. what, whatever it may be, every penny I get from this is going straight towards the trips, mm-hmm. so because of that, I haven't actually, I if I didn't do any trips last year, or if I did a couple less trips, I would have had the money to file, but I would rather take those veterans out, mm-hmm. and keep having to do this out of pocket, rather than... Or I shouldn't say out of pocket, but with that little bit of help, rather than be an official non or have the money to apply as an official nonprofit.
1: <laughs> there you go. It's just a process, and it, it's not a cheap uh, process to get to it. And you, you, last time on our last podcast, we were discussing like this. You had one gentleman that was out of Des Moines that you helped educate, and then he had ran into an issue where he didn't know how to track the deer. Why don't you give us a little uh, background story on that? so This way, I can I can get the full scope of that.
2: Yeah, um, that would be, uh, specialist, uh, Tyler Spank. He, uh, contacted me. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I contacted a couple other companies in Iowa that take veterans out. Yeah. And he ended up contacting me because he said that, uh, I kind of seemed to make it more personal than they were. Okay. Talking to him, not quite every day, every other day, a couple times a week, at least mm-hmm. all the way up, to, well, even after the trips or after his trip, but uh, my mom and her husband live in Des Moines, so I'm like, you know, I'll come down to your neighborhood. There's no reason for you to drive all the way up here. Yeah. So I went down there and uh, contacted a couple guys I know that live down there to find some public ground to get him out on. He wasn't after a giant buck. He wasn't looking for anything certain. He just wanted his first deer. And uh, we went out. It was, what was it? late October, kind of mid-October, and uh, first morning, we actually almost had a fawn get in the blind with us. <laughs> we got out there plenty of time before light, popped this blind up, brushed it in as good as we could in the dark. Yeah. And uh, a little after, for half an hour, 45 minutes after first light, this doe and fawn walk out of the tree line, and he decided not to take her, just for the simple fact of that fawn was I'm pretty sure it was probably a late birth fawn. because mm-hmm. It was still small. Yeah. And so he opted not to take that one, which I wasn't going to pressure him into shooting it or shooting her. I wasn't going to pressure him into shooting or not shooting something. It was hundred mm-hmm. percent his choice. But, uh, this fawn just kept getting closer and closer and closer. And by the end of it, he was, what was it? Four, four or six foot off the blind. Okay. And the only reason he didn't come closer, I think, is because there was actually a down tree in front of us. We had set up kind of behind to help brush in the blind a little bit because there was grass growing over it. Okay. So I'm, when we saw that with my flashlight, I'm like, you know, if we put the blind behind that, it'll help us brush it in a little bit. And that log was about four foot away. And I'm thinking he just didn't jump the log, and otherwise I we might have had a fawn's head in the blind with us. <laughs> Which, eh, yeah, that was uh, that was interesting that... Actually, that video is actually on uh, DRA Outdoors YouTube and Facebook, too. Yeah. Then he ended up getting a shot that weekend, but was it 30, 34, 35 yards? Mm Mm-hmm. And she ended up ducking the arrow. Oh, okay. We found the arrow, not even hair on it, so we knew it was a clean miss. Double-checked around for any hair or blood that we might have missed. Came to the conclusion that it was hundred percent clean miss. We don't have to worry about her being injured or anything. Yeah. And uh, so the next weekend, I was actually in my deer stand, and uh, got a message from him that he got a deer down, but he wasn't exactly sure how to blood track it. He wasn't. He he knew look for blood, but that's pretty much it. So, one reason I love small town Iowa. He went. I told him to uh, go to the gas station in the town that was, like, 10 minutes south and talk to one of the employees there to see if they knew anybody that could help him track this deer. Okay. And, uh, he texted, or if he can't find anybody, I'm like, I'll drive down after I get out of my stand. Might be a little later, but we'll get your we'll get your buck. He messaged me back half an hour, 45 minutes later, that, uh, he actually found a couple people that, help- that went out there and helped him, uh, trail his deer, showed him how to gut it, mm-hmm. and helped him get it back to the truck. Nice. So, he ended, He was so freaking happy. He took his first deer. He had one... I think he had said he had went before, but it was more of they told him where to sit. They didn't really explain anything to him. Okay. But, uh, so he wanted to learn how to do it on his own. So, while we were sitting in the blind, you know, I popped up my Onyx maps and going over pinch points and, you know... Uh, field edges, stuff like that. You know, just basic stuff so he can get some meat. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, he still messages me every now and then, and it's like, oh, hey, Tyler messaged me. (laughs) I I know other companies that, uh, I actually talked to one veteran that he had went out two to three weeks prior to this event happening, and uh, messaged him, like I said, two to three weeks later after the hunting trip or fishing trip whatever it was and they didn't remember who he was. Oh man, I can see that like on messenger I have the the profile picture pop up.
1: Mm-hmm. I
2: don't even need to see the name. I know who it is from the profile picture. <sighs> yeah. So I I uh I think I might bring out one or two more staff just to help me get a couple more veterans out. Mhm. Cuz I don't know a ton about fishing. I'm one of those guys that I'm just going to go drown night crawlers. <laughs> I really don't care if I catch anything. But uh Like, Martin, and uh, then I had talked to another guy I was deployed with. They're both big into fishing. Martin's big into catfishing. Yeah. The other guy we were deployed with was big into getting, you know, bass walleye, whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. He goes out and learns how to target stuff. So, uh, I think I might talk to him about possibly coming on his staff. And then, I want to keep it smaller so we can keep it a little more personal for each trip. Yes. So, it's not like, oh, yeah, we took... 10,000 veterans out this year. It's like, cool. Can you remember every single one of them? Yeah. If one of them messages you and says his name, are you going to remember which trip that was? Because me personally, I've only done a few trips, but I never plan on massing myself with so much that I don't know who one of my veterans is.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. You don't want to over, overpower yourself. Nice thing is my dad's friends, a lot of them are all retired and like they're they looking for any reason to go out fishing. I'll talk to him and see if, see if they'll be willing to Open up a spot on their boat while they go fishing. Cause like I was telling you when I first arrived, his friends were out fishing on Silver Lake here. Just, uh, was it like 30 minutes from here? yeah 30 45 something yeah five. so I, and they caught their limit on bluegill and it's saying like, that's that's a small lake and it's very easy to fish very easy to learn how to fish my dad and I go out it's like if you if you scroll through my facebook page you'll, anytime my dad and I go fish we usually catch our limit on something we're like going to uh, like crystal lake for our crappies mm-hmm. and stuff like that and we got got a nice little bee line it's like it's funny though it's like my dad and I were driving this we we hit this like 200 yard spread and it's like and it was it was really warm out that day but we had to drop our pretty much bouncing our, our bait off the ground because it's the only way we could be able to um, get any fish because the water was so warm. But we started watching people start floating towards us closer and closer to us because they they're watching us catch all these fish and stuff, and so they were, they were, uh, they were a little jealous. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I have a little spot that uh, I take the kids when the kids want to go fishing because, like I said, I, I never really catch anything. I'm more of a catch-and-release angler. Yeah. But there's... Bluegills there, and it's just you catch them left and right. Mm-hmm. Like uh, when last time I took my daughter out, I uh, I didn't even have time to set up a pole for myself. I threw a worm on her hook or corner or whatever we were using, cast out for handed her the pole, turned around, got my pole, grabbed a hook out of my tackle box. Daddy, I got one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And so we ended up just, I just grew it. I'm just going to let her fish. And yeah, she that- ended up pulling up. What was it? We stayed there for an hour, mm-hmm. and I think we pulled up close to twenty three different bluegill or sunfish, whatever it was. Yeah, she just had fun catching them left and
1: right. That's awesome. That's that's a fun thing when you get them on. Like, uh, my daughter caught her first bass when she was four. Then last year we didn't get as many times on the boat because uh, they didn't they didn't t- maintain the weed issue that like. uh um silver lake has and lake mills has and like because it's like they get it fills with a foil and they, they'll either spray or they don't and then and it it just gets to be too much of a hassle for who's driving the boat because all that stuff gets caught in the prop and so we didn't we didn't do a lot of fishing last year but the year before they they were they were spraying and they were tilling up the like all that foil. so we so i got my daughter on the water quite a quite a bit and uh it was that september we were out there was the my dad myself and uh, my daughter and we got her out there fishing and it's like it's like she she got always a little bit antsy but i told her like i'd get it i'll get the line all set for her, and then she started catching fish she caught like over a dozen fish six were keepers and so so it was it was nice to see her like reel in that fish and reel in some bluegill and really set home that memory like we we're hoping to go fishing this weekend but it's memorial day weekend you never know what's yeah. gonna happen
2: i mean it's not doesn't really look like it's even missing right now, but...
1: We're in, we're in the part where it's in a little bit of a break, but at least we're not in Waterloo Isle where they're just getting hammered.
2: Oh, yeah. I woke up this morning, thunder and lightning, and yeah. that's supposed to be what it is all year. But actually, uh, thanks to Martin, I am actually getting a little bit more into uh, catfishing. Mm-hmm. And since I don't have a boat, I, try to, I do it from the shore. And as you can see behind me, I have plenty of poles. Yes, you do. Set up for catfish. I have my one set up for catfish.
3: Then I have
2: uh, two lightweight rods for uh, going after bluegill or whatever, mm-hmm. just messing around and trout. I use uh, ultralight, but uh, I actually have my other poles in my wife's car because I generally take that to work, to save a little bit of gas money.
1: Yeah, trucks are a little spendy drive, even though the gas prices are dirt cheap right now.
2: Yeah, well, my truck gets like twelve to thirteen miles per gallon. Her car gets like thirty-six.
1: Yeah, don't blame me. I'm like my my diesel truck gets fifteen if I'm lucky. And it's a big old F two fifty, so I drive that when I have to.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's kind of what mine is. Hunting and trips are basically all I really drive that, unless we gotta haul something. Yes, yeah. Otherwise, we take the car everywhere.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's why I'm driving the car right now. Don't ha- don't have quite the income level to drive a truck all-, all around. It's like it's one of those things where you start seeing guys that drive trucks. That's what their main vehicle. That's all they drive. Is like, yeah, they have the money to afford a truck because it's 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 a lot of responsibility. Yeah, uh, they're not cheap. Filling up for
2: twenty dollars versus you know $40, 50 bucks. Yes. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I'll fill up the truck, and my wife will drive it to work. When I take the car, and it, that one tank, if we if I don't go out hunting or fishing or to a trip, that one tank will last us like two weeks.
1: That's that's, nice that's a good sign to
2: hold a whole mile and a half away. Yeah. <laughs> so that's uh kind of convenient to be able just to grab the car and go. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but. Uh, this year for downrange, hopefully everything goes as planned. I, I well, this far into the year, nothing's gone to plan <laughs> <laughs> because of the coronavirus. Yeah, I was actually, I actually was contacted by a gentleman out of Dubuque, Decorah, Davenport, somewhere over in, on the Mississippi, hmm. and he said he's always wanted to come to Clear Lake for a spring musky trip.
1: And okay, take
2: me and another veteran out. It's, you know that's great. Thanks. You know I can help you with gas or bait, whatever you need. Oh no, don't don't worry about it. This is on me. Okay. I just want to help you get your company out so you can get more veterans out. And, okay. Great. Obviously, we weren't able to do that this year because of all this crap going on. Yeah. Uh, I was supposed to have a couple more fishing trips, but uh, those had to be postponed. I'm not going to say canceled because I will get those veterans out. Yeah. Sooner or later. <laughs> yeah. But. Uh,
1: Probably out fishing. You're 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 literally practicing social distancing because you don't want to get caught by a hook and you don't want to be fishing in their hole.
2: Kind of putting four people on one boat.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. You might get a little talking to for the DNR. I have a buddy of mine that runs the the smack the Smackdown Outdoors podcast out of um, Central Minnesota, and he called into the DNR and he couldn't get a straight answer from him because one of the main rules was is that. If you're going to be fishing on a boat, everybody has to come from the same household. So it's like, I couldn't jump on anybody else's boat because I don't live with them. And, uh, but like getting other hard answers, it was kind of wishy-washy because it's like you could hear that they're not dealing with it very well either. Cause it's like, it just, it puts more stress on them. And it's like, it, it takes away from the aspect of being in the outdoors. And it also hurt, hurts uh, license sales because they're working on Millax Lacs Lake and, and a lot of lakes around there to try to restore some of the walleye population.
2: Right, and I mean, I got uh, three veterans that I need that aren't scheduled yet, we don't have actual dates for them, but Mm -hmm. three veterans I plan on getting out uh, for archery hunts this year. One actually lives uh, in town here, Uh, another one lives in Bay City, and the other guy lives down by Waterloo. Okay. So, hopefully hopefully I can get all three of those guys out and get them all deer and...
3: Hello, We're at the 2020 ATA show at a Veteran Innovative Products, uh, an all-American made and manufactured broadhead. So we've got a new one for 2020 called the Combat Veteran 4-Blade. As you can see, 4-Blades got a lot of the same high-quality materials we use with our original 2-Blade Veteran, but the Combat Veteran has a different deployment system. How it deploys is you just squeeze a little bit on your main blades, okay, those compress, and then the broadhead opens
2: Probably get myself a deer to put more meat in the freezer too. <laughs> yeah,
1: that would be that is that is the the go to. Now, does Iowa have like a farm management land program? Because what Wisconsin has done is that they have a like a forest land management program and a, and a uh, farmland. And what makes them different is that um, farmland is more geared towards those who have, have ponds, ponds uh, for upland game birds. um All on the like all on the major. Uh, Like Mississippi, up by the the Great Lakes, stuff like that. They also have forest management land where 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 farmers will put their land into a program where they get a tax break and where people can go out there and it turns into more public land. And so that's what now does Iowa offer something like that?
2: I believe they do, or they were talking about doing something like that. I don't remember right off the top of my head. Mm -hmm. But um, I actually got some this year, just a couple weeks ago. I actually got some private land just uh, northwest of town here. And there's plenty of public land around here. Oh, yeah. There's those, a lot. All those pictures I sent you of those deer, Yeah, public land.
1: Nice. And I know up by Four even, Cities got a lot of public the, land, too.
2: That's not even the good part of Iowa. <laughs> <laughs>
1: the, the best part of Iowa is when you go out towards uh, Decorah. That's where all the big boys are shot. Like Some of the the biggest world uh, world records are shot in that area right there over by Decorah where um, yeah, Expedition kind of Archery the, is the and such.
2: Third of Iowa. Yeah.
1: Is. It's all where the Driftless area is all along to there, and then you get down towards where I'm... Um, uh, John Dudley lives, because he lives over by Indianola down that area there, and he's got – that's if you look on a map and it's like you look at it, it's like it's all hilly and rolly land, and then there's also other spots where it's just flat. Yeah, which is like here. Yes. Yeah, it is. It is very flat over here, and it's like I don't miss this weather because, I mean, I grew up uh, 30 minutes from here, so it's like I do not miss the drifting – snow at all oh God, and like no. living in lacrosse I am spoiled rotten because we have no drifting at all it's like and it's like if, if if we get six inches of snow then it gets difficult to drive in town
2: yeah I mean just the drift like right outside my door there was one day at my old job I actually had to call in because there was a four foot drift in front of my door
1: oh snap
2: and I it took forever to get to the car and then just to get out to work I'm like you know what it took me almost half an hour to get up to the gas station up here that's a mile and a half Oh, just Jesus. Just ice and snow that was on the road. And I was going in at, I think I left at like 4, 4.30, so the plows hadn't got out yet. Yeah. That's one of those, mm, I don't trust the roads right now. I'm calling in sick today.
1: Yeah, it's like, yeah, I have a, I have a daughter. I don't think, and it's like, I really don't want to risk my life yeah, I, for-
2: I got two daughters and a son. I, yeah. I'm not going to go do that today. Yeah.
1: I'll yeah. The tomorrow. risk over the risk over reward is not quite there. Yeah, I know what you mean because it's like living I used to work at uh oh, it's starting to rain again. Oh, and goodness. uh I used to live in Dodge Center or oh, was it? Lived in Grand Oh, Hayfield, Minnesota, and I had to work in uh mcneely is there in dodge center and it's a 10 mile drive but it's like my trip is just nothing but open farmland and so it's like we got one time we got a half inch of snow and the drifting was so bad i had to literally figure out where the rumble strip was turn my gps on because i couldn't see 20 feet out in front of me because it was so bad still managed to make it to work and then i get to make it to get, get get to work it's like get a message oh uh work's closed it's like okay <laughs> It's like, I'm here, can I just work, can I do something, get paid for this here, you know, because I made it here?
2: <laughs> oh. Yeah, I had days like that at my old job. They We had something break down, I don't remember what it was, Uh huh. but because that one machine broke down, we couldn't do anything. And I showed up to work and one of my coworkers was like, oh, you didn't get a text either, huh? I'm like, <laughs> what? As six people are walking out, nobody got messages that we weren't working that day because the machine wasn't fixed yet.
1: Oh, gnarly!
2: I mean, that wasn't in the winter. That was just middle of summer. And we're like, yeah. Well. Okay. Um, see you guys later.
1: <laughs> well, I'm gonna go fishing. Yeah, right. pretty much. I right. can as like listen to my dad because he used to work for L.R. Falk for back since the late '60s all the way up until oh, I can't I remember when he quit there. But he put in almost like 20 some years working at that facility and. uh when it would want to rain before we had all this nice fancy radar tech, as soon as it started raining, they would cancel work for the day. So it's like they would all go off and either go fishing or drink beer, <laughs> go off and drink beer and stuff like that. And, and it's like now it's like then as it got in the nineties, it's like they they had radar. So it's like well, so much for doing that anymore. So now it's like well, we got we're going to shut down from here to here, and then then we're going back we're going to start back up again. But guess what? Now all that time we you had you had that break. Guess what? We're going we're going to be working till dusk to make up that yep. time lost. You said. Uh, it was the busiest time of the, was when they were building the Avenue of the Saints because they got a large portion of that contract. Oh, yeah, and they, were, they were hauling a lot of rock, a lot a lot of 16-hour days.
2: Yeah, I don't miss the long days at my old job, but the job I'm at now, uh, the only real long days we have are, uh, like this last week, it's right before a holiday. I work at a Coke warehouse. Yeah. So right before a holiday, everything kind of picks up a little bit. We have extra mm-hmm. cases. Long day there is like ten hours. That's not so, bad. No, it's not bad, but it's more of the uh, going in a circle all day. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I can they get tiring. Out. <laughs> My uh, brother in law, he works for a liquor dispensary there in Rochester, and it's great. It's like he gets a free case of beer. His like his the owner will come around and give random people beer. You know, it's like or or a, a seltzers. I guess that's really popular. Yeah. So like when the Corona seltzers came out, they they were. Uh, there, it didn't really take off, and so it's like they're, tr- he's they're pushing them to take it because they can't get rid of it, they can't <laughs> sell it because nobody wants it. It's like so it's it's nice, and he his their goal was is like to take their beer that they uh, accumulated and use that as the way to fund their reception, so this is where they where not have to worry about paying so much for alcohol.
2: Yeah, I mean, I just got married last year, and I think we spent. Let me see. see. I went through the checkout once mm-hmm. by myself, and my wife and her friends were still up grabbing some stuff. All I had was liquor and uh, like whiskey, vodka, and beer on my cart, Yeah, on my push cart, and it came out to like
1: $900. Yeah.
2: Then when we went through again, when we were leaving, it came out to another, I think it was three or $400.
1: Wow. Yeah, that's, that's how much my bill... Well, we, well, see, when we got married in Illinois... We had to hire – their laws are a little bit different there. So it's like we, we made sure we had a place that had um, insurance because that's one thing you got to pay attention yep. to. And then also in, in the state of Illinois, you have to have a licensed um, bartender to to serve alcohol. So we had – our venue though was, had everything all encompassing. So it's like we went through 130 bottles of wine – it's like my family is like a lot of loves their wine. And we and we still had beer left over, and and we still had a bunch of liquor left over. So like, yeah, I was I was shoveled nonstop uh, Jack Daniels and Coke all night long. So, <laughs> uh, but the thing was, like my bachelor party, we went out and they they got me six ways from Sunday. It's like my goal was not to get blasted cuz it's like all week long we were spending time cleaning the property cuz we got married at my in-laws house which they did a fantastic job and it was overlooks the Illinois River so it was just beautiful for every cuz like mean everybody pitched in aunts uncles cousins all helped out getting the property ready to rock and roll and uh, all week long it's like I was exhausted I was tired and it's like and the thing I didn't want to do I ended up happening anyways but uh yeah either way it was still pretty memorable cuz we went and we did uh, axe throwing Oh, oh, boy, Yeah, it's like, fun. yeah, it, it is a it is a lot of fun. And boy, if you want to see people get competitive, you start to put it, you throw an axe in somebody's hand, it gets real nasty. <laughs> and the only thing is though, it's like when you're going to a venue, you can't wear open toed shoes. You oh, have yeah, to wear still. clothes. and because because it's like just to, just to the fact that it could bounce back and hit you. Yeah. A lot of times though, it's like the the, the instructors they had. They would teach you to get that full rotation so it would stick. Mm-hmm. Man, there's so many, so many times that we were like, we we're neck and neck. And I, I, my team won two out of the three games we were able to play. And that's the three games we were able to play. That was out of like two hours. So it's like, it's because you're, we you try, they want you to have at least six, six to eight people per lane. So this way it's like, takes up more time, increase the liquor sales and, uh, This way, then you'll have a higher. You'll have more people be able to get and play because we only brought like five of us, and we we took on a bunch more people too. What you looking for? That fell again. Yeah, it does not want to stay.
2: Nope. we're just gonna
1: put that right here. Man, you got quite the the gear here. It's like you have one, two,
2: one, two, three, four hang on stands, three ladder stands, and I actually got a uh, a double ladder stand. Or a double man stand that's actually behind my house.
1: Oh, nice! So it's like you—you you are prepared to make sure, like you got people set up to get out there on the uh, in a tree.
2: Yep, I actually got. I think I got another hang on stand back there somewhere too.
1: Doesn't super- kind of a mess right now. One surprised me. Yeah, it's like it's one of those things where you gotta, you gotta at least the nice thing is that the, the summer's coming up, so you would be able to work on it. But I, you know, I like doing most of my inside work in the wintertime just because you're not going to get as hot. And it's like you can't do anything else. It's like you got that time between uh, January and, and turkey season, unless you're a coyote hunter. So I got to, which reminds me, like next week, I'm going down to Oskaloosa, Iowa, because my best man for my wedding, his parents have a farm down there and they're having issues with coyotes. So I got to pick out my fur bearers license, bring up my cuddy call down there, bring in a few guns down there with us too. And we're just going to set out and set out in the morning and then, and then do a, an evening set and see if we can make something happen. And then he also has a farm pond out there to do some, oh, do some you. bass fishing and, and do some, uh, uh, sunnies. It's like, he's it's, it's a decent sized pond, surprisingly. And it's like right now, the, 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 f- Weeds haven't really taken it over. He says once once it gets to like mid June, it gets to be so crowded with weeds, the fishing just drops. Even though like the, there's no human interaction out there because it's his own private pond, it's just that there's so much weeds that you have to deal with. It's like it's not even fun.
2: Yeah, I've I've been to lakes like that where I pulled up and walked up the lakes like uh, I'm just gonna go somewhere else. Yeah, I, I can throw I can throw a heavy. Bait and or heavy lure and it's gonna sit right on top of the water.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is so true. Yeah, there's um when I go there's a few spots along the Mississippi where I go for bass fishing and northern fishing. And uh, last year I caught my personal best at 37 and a half inches. I didn't I, I uh, threw it back because like I because I, I, I my rule of thumb is if the if the pike is 35 and under I will keep it and I'll eat it. Uh, and then because it's like the rules of the uh, Mississippi are pretty simple to follow, so it's it's outside of slot. And you can only have one. And most of the time, we throw a lot of them back anyhow. But uh, I want to get into pickling some pike because uh, my dad's friends has a really good recipe on pickling them. And boy, does it taste delicious.
2: Yep, I've actually – my uncle used to do that before he passed. We had – he pickled uh, uh, deer, northern – I think walleye Mm once too. But yeah, Jesus, it was great.
1: Have you ever had pickled tongue? I do not believe so. It is – it is – quite delicious because it's like it has a chalky taste to it but when you when you when it gets mixed in with the brine and such uh i had a buddy of mine i have a, i have an episode called deer tongue because it's like he collected like some like six or seven of them and over the course of the hunting season plus because he got he he tagged out he got his one buck for archery one buck for um uh, rifle, and then he got four dough He got uh, two or three doughs along with it, and so he took all the tongues out and he, he pickled them all. And it's like his wife didn't like them. And she she kept on like eat more, eat more, <laughs> and so we, we were eating those while we we're having the conversation about it. But that was it is delicious. I like it. It's it's acquired taste, of course. Is a little bit of a, a texture shock, but otherwise, it's like it's delicious.
2: Yeah, I mean, um, I'm. You said Mississippi kinda of reminded me. one thing I'm hoping I'm doing this year is uh, I got a guy from uh, I actually met him at the Whitetail Classic two thousand
1: nineteen.
2: Okay. And uh, he actually owned him and his I believe it's him and his brother own MCT Productions. Okay. And they said they could do all downranges video editing and stuff, you know, so it's professional grade done and uh, they do it for me, for free. Oh, that's awesome. This is for veterans. Uh-huh. Then he said, uh, asked if I ever bow fished. Like, you know, I used to do it a lot until people kept leaving the damn carp on the bank and DNR shut, you can't do it from the bank anymore.
1: Oh, I gotcha. So
2: I don't have a boat, I can't go out.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But, uh, he said he could take me and three veterans uh, out boat fishing on the Mississippi.
1: Oh, that's awesome.
2: So, I'm... Hoping to have the money to be able to do that this year, too. That uh, is- this year definitely got to get that in next year because that would be a blast. Fang all day on Mississippi just shooting oh. fish all day.
1: Well, you yeah, the thing is, you go actually go out at night, you go right at dusk and you fish up until like midnight, one o'clock. Oh,
2: he, he actually said, uh, he goes during the day, too. Okay,
1: so every every outfitters is I was gonna do, um, for my wedding, for my for my bachelor party, we were actually going to do that, but it rained. So the, the, it was, um, starving rock outfitters. And so we had to camp. Well, we're only, it's going to rain like by time. Cause we had an hour drive to get there. We had to launch, get everything all set up. And, by the time we would get everything all ready to go, it's like we'd be out there for, a, for an hour, maybe two hours, and then the rain was sp- supposed to hit. And so we decided to postpone that, but that was what we wanted to do. And it's like, he, he's got a really, they do a really good job of maintaining their, their social media, always filled with successful walleye fishing trips, perch. Um, and then also along with bow fishing. And he says, like, we even have, like, cause they got, they have an issue with the jumping carp out there. Oh, and yeah. uh, he said, he's like, I have baseball bats cause there's so many of them. <laughs>
2: that that's one thing I want to do is I want to try to go bow fishing for those uh, I think they're Asian carp, correct?
1: Yes, they're Asian carp. Yep.
2: I want to try to shoot them out of the air.
1: <laughs> that would be a, it's not it's not impossible. It's not oh, impossible. I, I've seen it
2: done on some TV shows, and I saw that. And I'm that's one of those things. Is, yep. I want to do that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's something that would be cool to do too. It's like I just wanted to like shoot one. I had a friend of mine that uh, went out bow fishing here two years ago. He shot himself a guard that was like. Maybe three inch body, it was a real small one, and it's like, and after that, it's like because it was his first time out there, mm-hmm. everybody in this group w- did not give him a little bit of slack at all. But <laughs> the guy has been bow hunting for years, so it's like he's already got the technique down. It's just learning the, the depth perception of shooting right. him, and once he'd land that, it's like, well, we're not taking it easy on you anymore. <laughs> uh, he just got drawn for a Wyoming elk tag. Oh, that yeah. Yeah, he's he took him five years to get it, but he finally did and his um outfitter, it's like his whole trip and everything, five grand. That
2: ain't bad actually.
1: No, it really isn't. And the nice thing is he's not married, so it's like it's not gonna cost him more. Like if you ever listen to uh uh Randy Newbrick's podcast, he always talks about like all of his guy friends, like and like he did an episode where he had the wives and the husbands on. And it's like he had a different uh like one couple was married for 25 years, one was 10 years and one was like three years and like learning all the different dynamics between all of them and stuff like that. And like, and he was talking about some of his things too. It's like, if he's, if he's going to go on like, um, like a bighorn sheep, if he's going up to Alaska, he's got to tack on anywhere between an extra 15 to $2,500 on top of his bill. Cause it's like whatever the wife wants. Cause it's like, it's like happy house, happy spouse, happy house. And so, so it's like, he's, he's, he had to buy, um, furniture and new cars and, and stuff like that. And, uh, uh, what is it? Uh, we have a friend of ours that um he owns um countryside uh, insurance and whenever want, he wants to do something fun he's always treating his wife for something new. But they're 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 an awesome couple. And then who else is it? Um have you ever gone gone to uh Gary Pearson's uh, gun range over there in little Cedar, Iowa? I have not. You should. You should go out there and check out his stuff. There, Gary is he's a hoot, but he's got something like million million two with the ammunition always on stock you can you can rent semi and full auto ammunition you can rent a barrett 50 cal anything you want other he's got the one of the most impressive world war one world war ii collections but he wanted to buy like an m58 or something like that and where it's like ground mounted semi or full auto well, that that gun only cost it, it, the gun was only five grand. It turned to be a twenty thousand dollar thing because the wife wanted a new garden, so that cost him fifteen Jesus. for the new for the new landscaping. <laughs> so that five thousand dollar gun turned into a twenty thousand dollar one. It's a it's quite the uh, oh, yeah. story.
2: I, I know how that is. I mean, my wife's great. Her uh, nephew was a marine that got killed in a training accident a few years ago. Yeah, her grandfather is actually a World War II veteran. All right. And so she's in full support of me, you know, taking out veterans and doing this stuff. But at the same time, I still push some stuff back, and or not push but make sure to do something for her too.
1: Yeah, you, you got to have that balance. I got lucky and my wife likes to hunt and fish. So it's like the only thing is like when it comes down to buying something new, it's like I always got to figure out like what does she want? Cause like I'm, I'm, I've been, I got the money saved up to buy a new bow. I just haven't decided what I'm going to buy yet. And so, and like for her, she's, she's got a bow. I do need to get her a new, um, Rod and reel because last spring we went out to Okaboji fishing and one of the guys we're fishing with he really liked my rod it was a five foot three telescoping rod ultralight and it's like and he just he was like he was all on off for it the rod only cost like thirty bucks so it's like I asked him, and as I was um, had it we did a, a speakerphone conversation. And the two of us were talking there, and like the wife said, she's like just go ahead and let him have. It. We can buy another one. They're not that expensive, because it, so it's like just like he he bought. Now he's now he lives down by Rath, Lake Rathbun down there, mm-hmm. and he that's where he lives now. So it's like it's uh, he's he's loving it because it's something collapsible. He doesn't have he doesn't have a, a collection like you and I do. I counted. I have like I have like twelve fishing rods.
2: Um, well, I got what you see here. Actually, I have a you can see some of them back there too. Yep,
1: and there's a couple of them broken down. To, so, yeah, yeah, it's... it's
2: well, I, when my grandpa passed away, I got uh, a lot of the fishing stuff he had, too. Yeah. And when my uncle passed away, my grandpa had got a bunch of his fishing stuff. Okay. So I ended up with a mix of them.
1: Oh, so I snap. <laughs> I think
2: this was my uncle's old ice fishing rod. I mean, that's how old it is. It doesn't even have a reel on it. It's, oh, wow. Like, hand, hand wind that thing.
1: Jeez. You know, but that's that's all you really needed back in the day, and it's still all you really need, to be honest with you.
2: Right, and actually, I have a, I don't know where I put it right at the moment, but I actually have a, I think it's a Zemco, but from what I can figure out, it doesn't have a button on it. From what I can figure out, it's more like an open face. Uh Uh-huh. It looks like a regular, like, kid's button reel.
1: Okay. So then it's like so then when you cast it, it has to be all based off the weight when you're casting it out. Then so this weight actually expels the line. Yeah, interesting. That's a, that's a obviously it didn't take off because it's like it with right. even it's with just, the no, common. No, all, all
2: it really is is a little flip switch on the bottom. You flip it, you can pull the line straight out, mm-hmm. flip it back, and then you can reel.
1: Mm, okay. I
2: mean, from what I've I've done, I did a little bit of research on it. It uh, it's like from. 60s or the 70s
1: okay like
2: early 60s i believe it was all right i want to say that off the top of my head Uh uh-huh early to mid 60s
1: yeah when you really think about it now that's that's 60 years ago yeah yeah it's like because when growing up in the 90s like it's like oh it's not that far away and then it's like now it's 2020 like jesus that's it's it's actually has some like credibility for how long it was how long ago it was in time
2: you got uh poles that are about that old too. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty sure my uncle just bought with the damn reel. So
1: Yeah, I know when my dad goes over when, when they go over to Okaboji the, they have the, um, their, their shop there and it's like, you can buy re- like everything secondhand from, uh, Abu Garcia because they have their, mm-hmm. their factory right there. And it's like, it's not uncommon. Like when, when I went out with them last, uh, no, not last fall, but the previous spring, he ended up buying two new rod and reel combinations for like 16 bucks. And I bought my wife a, uh, a new set too there because it's like, cause we gave, her rod and reel way, so it's like, well, I need to buy, I need to get. So I got her a, um, a Abu Garcia Alpha Max, which is like, I'm, I'm not, I'm not a fan of it. I have, it's like, it's getting the, the the ratio right for for one to get to, to cast and stop to, without having to bind up. So that's that's her to, to practice on. I have my own setups and stuff like that, but um, it's, it, I picked it up and it's like I was out the door for. Less than forty bucks, and if you go in retail, still for seventy, so it's still a good deal. Yeah. And then I bought a seven foot two rod for eight dollars. Retails for for thirty, There's nothing wrong with it. Still works just great. So it's like it's it's nice. It's like you get that extra snap, of that seven foot two, and it, you just crack it out there eighty yards. And you're ready to rock and roll. Yeah.
2: Uh, you said you were looking at getting a new bow. Yeah. Uh, look at uh, expedition archery. They're
1: out of decora. Oh yes, I, I sat down with Kurt Heddington last year, but uh, I was telling you about this. I lost the audio to our conversation. Oh, yeah, because right. as I was editing it, and all of a sudden, I, it, it started giving me air messages like ah, and I, and I, it was my first encounter with it. And I was like, I don't know how to fix this. And then after, and what I did was completely wrong. And like, and how, and what I did for backing out. And it, like after doing some research, like yeah, once 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 it hits this point, there's not really much to go go back and doing it. And it happened to me again on another podcast, but I was able I was able to figure it out. I took my time and worked my way backwards. So that's the nice thing about technology: you minimize it and you bring it up and like bring up another window. It's like this happened. What does this error mean? And then it's yep. like then you go. I was able to save that one. So well,
2: after we're done uh, recording here, you can check out my uh, I have my expedition inside because
1: you, can- you got an excursion six, don't you? Yes. Okay. That's a nice bow.
2: I, I actually, it was between that and because uh, I bought it in 2019, and it was between that or the uh, Mako X.
1: Ooh, that Mako X. It, it, it's a smooth bow, but it's got a lot of power.
2: I, uh it was a five inch brace for me. Okay, because my extrusion has a six inch, mm-hmm. and that five inch I wasn't too sure about. Yeah, I've never dealt with them before, but I've shot sixes before. So mm-hmm. That's why I went with the six. Fair enough. But uh, after shooting that thing and shooting a couple other expedition bows like the this year's MX 15 and 16.
1: Mm-hmm. I've not shot those yet
2: oh they're you'll like them yeah I am trying to figure out how I can get another one right now.
1: <laughs> I one last year. <laughs> nice I, I I fell in love with the the Traverse from Matthews I fell in love with the, the Mountaineer Axe. And, they, and then this year, uh, Kurt and those guys brought it back into production again because it was one other flagship bows. And it's only—it's not that expensive. I think it comes in at like eight ninety nine, which is fairly reasonable for for a brand new bow and, compared to like Hoyt and Matthews and mm-hmm. such. And then no, and, and I made the mistake of shooting the, the VXR uh, thirty one and a half, and that's a smooth shooting bow too. It's like it's like splitting hairs between every one of them, you know. Yep. And it's like, I, um, I, it's like I have lacrosse archery and they, they 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 focus on matthews and hoyt but it's like and it's um, uh, it's like i'm trying to it's, it's a basic down down to where my like how i want to spend my money if i had it's like if i had the money i'd buy them both but i don't think the wife would i I'd like that too much especially when, when we're in the market of like slowly saving to buy a house so it's like i don't think she'd appreciate me dropping two grand on two different bows <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah that that's uh kind of where i'm at right now yeah so we have other stuff we need to do. I need to get down ranges, uh, all this
1: stuff. Five hundred one C ready to go. Yeah. yeah,
2: before I even think about really doing another one. Yeah, another it's, bow. So you
1: have to look at. You have to figure out where people are off. At, you have to you have to go out and actually literally go pick pick rock.
2: Yeah, pretty much. Yeah,
1: or or, de- or go and do detassling. I'm sure detassling has gone up since I did it back in the nineties.
2: Yeah, um, I'm actually thinking about. I need to talk to the VP Martin. And get with him, thinking about uh, bringing or seeing about uh, bringing on uh, some investors.
1: There you go, or to, an to, investor to to expedite the whole be. thing. I, like I said, you should reach out to RPG Coffee. Actually, I, I did bring some coffee down with me too. See, I only brought one. I usually typically give. When I have a face-to-face guest, guest, I usually give them three packets. It's all instant coffee, but it's like, it's really good coffee. That's the funny thing about it. And so it's like, they do a uh, affiliate program where you can, so this way you can send people their link and they can buy their coffee and you get, um, 10% off the sale. So, and so then this way, then you can use that as a way to do it. And plus it's all military founded. It was founded on January or July 4th, 2019. Yep.
2: Yeah, then, uh, I- I want. I was thinking about talking to uh, actually the owner of uh, Atlantic Coke here in Iowa. Okay. That's who I work for. Yeah. And uh, I found out they're actually a military family. Oh, nice. So I was thinking about talking to him and there's a couple other places. And then I uh, actually got a message, or Downrange got a message the other day asking if uh, we wanted to staff for this new uh, uh, site company.
1: Oh, very cool! It's Congratulations! A,
2: it's a universal sight for shotguns, cross anything with a Picatinny rail on it. Oh, they no have an kidding! so you can put it on your bow. It's a uh, it's a little pricey for what I would normally go for. Okay, but as downrange is advancing and I'm buying video equipment and everything, it's like, well, that's actually not that bad once you get into it because it is a uh, a sight. A rangefinder, which they have sight rangefinders, mm-hmm. but this one also is a action camera, so it eliminates the need for a GoPro on your boat. So it is it? So it rifle.
1: sounds like a splash between Garmin and Tacticam. Yeah, kind of. But who? So who's the who's the manufacturer of it?
2: Omega sights.
1: Omega sights. Mega yeah. sights. It sounds very familiar.
2: Here, it actually has a. I don't remember the size of the screen. It's an LCD screen.
1: Oh, that is pretty. That is pretty.
2: Yeah, I think the specs are down at the bottom of the page there.
1: Yeah, I'm I looking through it. Yeah, bows, rifles, pistols.
2: Ranges up to 600 yards, I believe it is.
1: The actual screen is one and a half by two inches. So it's actually a fairly decent sized screen.
2: The, the the guy who had messaged me actually uh, spoke to him on the phone on the way home. And he said he can put it on his crossbow. And you don't even have to pick it up to actually shoot it because it's a screen. It's okay. like looking at your TV. You can look at it from any angle and it's the same.
1: Very cool.
2: So you can shoot your rifle or your crossbow, shotgun, whatever, from the hip accurately.
1: Oh, nice! Just and down at the screen, they have it on a Wisconsin-made bow. It's the Gearhead Archery there yep. on a Pier Pierdu Cheek. I think it's the name of the town. But yeah, that's that's a, that's a sweet bow. It's like I got to shoot one of those at the Deer or the um Deer well during Turkey Expo of twenty seventeen. I think it was. Yeah, it was 2017. I shot it there, and it's like, it's it's like nothing like I've ever shot before. And their brace heights go down to like 23 inches from A to A, from axle to axle. Yep. I mean, they, it uh, is.
2: I shot it at the uh, Whitetail Classic here in Iowa in 2016. Actually, have you
1: shot their crossbow? That crossbow is legit. Crossbow,
2: but um, actually, Expedition just came out with the crossbow released a line of crossbows this year too.
1: Yes, that they, they did. I did see that. And they're they're market priced very well. They oh, have yeah. a good rate of speed for them. So I think that it's a it is a competitive model to 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 look at. I think it's a serious contender that people should look at. And uh, the Mako MX16 got placed in the top eight bows to buy for 2020 mm-hmm. from um, what website? What magazine? I can't remember the magazine it's from. That did it. I, I I as soon as I saw Kurt Heddington uh, post it, I grabbed it and I, I threw it on Bucks of America's podcast uh, page and make sure people can look at because it, it it has Matthews on it, it, has Hoyt on there, and it's like it's got and it's got some serious contenders on there, man. Oh yeah,
2: I was because I was looking. I want to partner with Expedition because they're out of Iowa. Yes. one and I love helping local companies. Mm-hmm. Not quite local, but they're in Iowa, so I'm calling them local. Yeah. Uh well,
1: they're, all, they're all assembled here, but they're all manufactured over in North Carolina? Yeah, North Carolina.
2: I believe that everything's done in uh, Decora now.
1: They, they got CNC machines put in and installed? I believe so. You've, you've you've taken a tour of their shop, right, haven't I you? I have
2: not, I've been up there, and I messaged... Uh, I think it was Kirk. Mm-hmm. I can't remember off the top of my head who I had messaged him. Like, hey, I'm up here for a veteran trip. When can we come up and uh, shoot the... They call them. They were calling them 2020 fuzzies at the time because it was before the MX16 and 15 and stuff got released. Okay. So all the pictures, you know, yeah, they're
1: all all blurred out. Blurred yes. out. So yes,
2: they got the nickname the 2020 fuzzy
1: okay yeah i so can I'm like, see so, that
2: uh, when, when can we come shoot those they just lol and like
1: dang it <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was like when i was having a conversation with him i uh um i he it's like he thought i was gonna he was i was gonna get him to talk about the 2021 i thought he was still gonna be shooting the the mako the mako x for the for that season but it's like i forgot duh he's he's, he's the the vp so was like he's gonna be shooting the top the the new stuff that's coming I out mean, this way <laughs> he give us two cents it's like i wasn't even thinking it because like to me it was completely innocent because like, like i know there are some people out there that will, that will shoot the same bow for two years or mm-hmm. three years and then they'll switch but it's like he's the VP of course he's going to be shooting the new stuff and it's like yeah. he's looking at me he's like I'll like, like deer to the headlights like I should have known better to ask a stupid question like that but unfortunately <laughs> I was just thinking like he was going to continue shooting the Mako X for the next season because like but then again it's like oh, R- sure R&D is of them. oh yeah <laughs> oh he's 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 got like if you because I, I got a chance to sit in his office and his um Office is lined with bows it even has the first bow we ever owned still mounted up there yep, too that's actually kind of what my uh inside office is like oh, oh gotcha yeah i
2: have I, I need to put some new strings on a couple of them mm-hmm. but uh i have the first bow i ever bought which i used up till uh, right after afghanistan bought a new one yeah then i got uh i wish i hadn't freaking sold it by I, uh, I had a matthews creed xs
1: oh that's a nice bow
2: it, it is a nice bow I'm actually mm. looking at buying another one and building it just like I had mine. Okay. Just to hang on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> then um, from there, I got a Hoyt uh, Power Max.
1: Oh, that's a good bow. It's a nice bow.
2: And uh, actually right now, one of the veterans I'm taking out this year has it. Mm-hmm. I When I got my expedition, I'm like, there's no reason you can't shoot this. Handed it to him. I'm like, you know, keep it as long as you want. Only thing I ask, when you decide to get another bow hand that back to me so I can give it to another veteran.
1: Yeah. That's nice. That's nice. That's pretty sweet. Now, uh, well, since this, since this season's kind of put, put on a held there, uh, is there anything that you want to talk about before we wrap up here?
2: I think we pretty much covered all the points. I mean, we covered, you know, uh, what Downranger does, why we do it. Yes. We take veterans out to thank them for their service. Then there's a Time in every trip, I call uh, uh, no camera, which I'll leave, I'll turn off the camera, I'll leave it back at the truck or whatever. Yes. Depending on, you know, if we're fishing, I'll leave it up the bank a little bit or something. That way, if that veteran has any problems that they're going through, we have time to talk about that. Yes. Um, if there's anything, you know, anything they need to talk about at all, military related, non-military related, I'm here for the veterans to talk to.
1: And what platforms is uh, Downrange Adrenaline Outdoors on right now?
2: Uh, Facebook, YouTube, and sometime Instagram. <laughs> I kind of forget we have it every now and then. Yeah,
1: I have. I have an Instagram too for uh, for the podcast, and I'm not giving as much as attention as I should. But right now, it's like I'm getting so much feedback through my Facebook page. It's tough for me to. It's like it's it's like I'm, I'm, I've Bought a program called CrowdFire, and it does all automatic posts. They can post mm-hmm. up to. I got the year-long subscription for a hundred bucks, and it works up to five accounts from social media. So it's like Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all that fun stuff. And if you have Etsy or if you have Shopify store, you can add those into there. So this way, your it's a, it's a way that you can pay for your advertising without actually paying for it. And it's a hundred bucks for a year, and it's like it's proven to me pretty worthy. I do I, I program four posts with that, and then then if I see something cool on Facebook, I'll, I'll try to go there. So this way, people are seeing more dead stuff. And then political brainwashing, what's going on right now? You know, it's like, I want people to have a break. It's like, I'm trying to fill it up with shed hunting and with turkey hunting and fish. So yep. this way, it's like, you're, you're not being drummed down by it. And then I have, uh, um, the, the American Sheepdog podcast and that's my political side. So it's like, if anything, I want to talk political, I can use that as my outlet. So this way, I'll leave my page. Yeah. Like, it's like, a, I had an uh, epiphany, uh, like an aha moment. It's like, how do I want to, Perceive myself because it's like I'm, I'm growing a following here. And it's like I don't want to have my main page all about politics because it's, it's so mind numbing and it gets so old. And, it, and yeah, it's I like mean,
2: with uh, with the area outdoors, <sighs> I try to 100% stay away from politics, it's all hunting fishing, mm-hmm. minus the Corona apocalypse t shirt I did. Yes, which I cannot wait to actually be able to. I'm looking look for forward
1: those. to my shirt too, man.
2: And uh, then I put up a meme the other day that I saw. It was uh, the bird that had flown down in front of the baseball player. Oh that got yes, hit by the uh, mm-hmm. baseball,
1: Randy Johnson uh, during, yep, yeah, yeah, for uh, the when he played for the Diamondbacks.
2: Yep, I put a meme of that up there, and <laughs> it was like it showed a picture of the bird or a bird said. DRA outdoors plans 2020 or something like that. And then the other <laughs> one said coronavirus.
1: Oh, that's awesome. That's funny. That's funny. Well, but
2: other than that, I try to keep it all military mm-hmm. and uh, outdoors. Yeah.
1: So, I do I do like I, I do bring in the stuff from the DNR and like bring in stuff that from poachers and stuff like cuz this way then it allows the public to see like what kind of laws that we need to put in imposed for people that are breaking the laws that that like cuz it needs to be. It needs to be seriously looked at for animal cruelty, felony mm-hmm. charges, and stuff like that. Because it's stuff that we don't. It gives us a bad name, and the general pop population itself is good as a whole. But then we have these little outliers that the it gives people a reason to complain about.
2: Yep. And uh, I do want to give a shout out to uh, Mag Military Apparel and Gear. Uh, Mark Pena is one of the owners. The one I took on the trout trip. Yes. With the uh, beer trout and then the yes. devil right after that. I still love that beer trout video. That it's beer trout, is, that's
1: pretty epic. That is pretty epic.
2: But uh, he's the one, is uh, actually the one that makes all the shirts and apparel for yeah. DRA Outdoors too. So I want to say uh, thanks to them. And then we actually partnered with uh, Zeus Broadheads this year too.
1: Zeus Broadheads are, are something to reckon with. I, I, As you tell, I work with Veteran IP. And that's all veteran owned yep. and operated company too. So...
2: Then uh, I got Docs Outdoors products here in front of us. Uh, Precision Peeps has helped us in the past. Uh, Field Torque knives—if you haven't seen a Field Torque knife, check them out. They are—I
1: have little not little things.
2: I think I actually got mine in the truck. I'll pull it out after we're done recording here.
1: Excellent. Yeah, see these. This is based out of um, Ohio, which is fantastic. Docs. Yeah, I've been around since 1998. I did. I found a. Uh, somebody did a a TikTok video and I, I pulled it down and it's like two or three deer can make you a multimillionaire and in a, in a short period of time for extracting that estrogen and that dough urine and stuff like that to sell. It's like, it's, I couldn't believe how much money a possible deer can make for you, especially if you get down to bucks. Like I know cook's deer scent and tracks out of Northern Minnesota. He's, his bucks are all six and seven years old. And so it's like, I've seen Bucks pulled from different properties mm-hmm. for how potent those dominant bucks are, and it's like I couldn't believe that some of them that showed up. And then I lost my properties. Like, mm.
2: Yep. If uh, if you need proof with how some of the docs, uh the actual urine products work,
1: they've the- been around since 1998. They've per- they're tried and true. They work. They work. <laughs> they work. The uh,
2: <laughs> the video I have of my bow hunt last year.
1: Yeah.
2: I think it's within like the first minute or minute and a half. I have a 115 inch, ish. Uh, actually, ended up being a nine point. I didn't realize he had a split brow until I went back and looked at the video. Yeah. But uh, I have a one of Doc's outdoor scent cans hanging on a little bush tree thing that was right in front of my stand. Yeah. And his his he's trying to stick his full face in this damn little scent can.
0: Oh,
1: nice.
2: <laughs> he's thrashing it, thrashing it up and oh,
1: you you you, you made it. him mad, didn't you?
2: <laughs> oh yeah. But uh, I actually ended up letting him walk because he was only a two-year-old. Yeah. So, and with the pictures of deer I knew were out there, I didn't want yeah. to shoot 115-inch.
1: I don't blame you. I, mean, I don't blame as, you. As
2: you, know, as you can tell, that, that that's... The one shed in front of us is over half that. <laughs> yeah, it's
1: like it's like you mentioned it, at like 78 and some. Yeah, 78,
2: right under 79, something like that.
1: Oh, yeah. And, it, and, it, and if he had the other half, it'd be a, an easy 155, maybe 160.
2: I'm thinking 160 just because I did get pictures of him that next year and... They look pretty, pretty almost exact. Yeah, and uh, he had a really good spread on him too. So
1: oh, no, that's 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 the dream bucks you wait for, man. I know my father in law ha- he shot a buck two years ago, and it's just it's just a freak of how m- where everything all went off. Until yeah. I think it turned to be like a thirteen actually or fourteen a, point.
2: Uh, I still have it on my phone, actually. A picture of a uh, triple main beam buck.
1: No kidding! It was like it almost looks like almost like a, a unicorn.
2: Nope, he actually, as you can see here, double split split brow tines. Oh, yep, there it's they the are. Third main beam coming off his uh, right side there.
1: He's tall too. He's yeah, he's gonna be a, like if you happen to come across to your sights, like so he's gonna be some more. He's oh, gonna be I, a nice wall hanger.
2: Oh yeah, he's going straight up there. I'm I'm not gonna I'm gonna gut it, and it's going straight to the taxidermist. Yes, I'm not gonna bother trying to cape it myself because mm-hmm. I know I'll screw it up.
1: Yeah, that's <laughs> awesome, gonna, man.
2: Hey, I'm on my way. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah i I use um cedar valley memories there over in orchard iowa to do my taxidermy he's another award-winning taxidermist too and he's got a heck of a showroom but there's so many talented taxidermists in northern iowa southern minnesota I
2: actually uh i'm friends with the owner of uh racks and tracks taxidermy out of if i don't remember iowa right now <laughs> <laughs> but uh he actually said that uh we could i have to actually go meet up with him sometime he said we could uh, come up with a deal so the veterans I take out kind of get a little bit of a knock off on their stuff
1: that's 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 generous of him that's good so. that's kind of him to do and, so
2: I mean he does great freaking work yeah and he does i believe it don't quote me because i might be wrong on this it's uh i want to say it's free pickup within an hour nice uh Knoxville he's out of Knoxville Iowa
1: Okay, so it's, not, it's, a, it's a bit of a drive, but not not bad.
2: Yeah, not horrible. I wow. mean, he's told me I can, or he, he can meet me halfway. I'm like, I'll come down there. I don't. I'll, I'll look around the shop for a
1: while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, leave like everything. all tagged as such. Well, man, this has been a lot of fun. We're gonna have to follow up with this a, a, again in the fall when we when we when we get our mindset on setting twenty feet close to God. Oh, birds did. Those are pretty. Those are pretty. And, and then the fans look great for the, uh, for being, you no, know, were these, uh, harvested by a bow or a shotgun? I am
2: not sure. I'm not sure either. Those are just on his Facebook page.
1: Yeah. These, these are head. home. These are heading home. These are shot. I think those were shot this this season or maybe they were shot last season and then they finally got them complete. I
2: try
1: to find one of
2: them. On. Wi-Fi is not working out here very well.
1: No worries.
2: Yep. There you go. There's one of the bucks he did.
1: He does oh, amazing work. That is pretty. That is a gorgeous look. All right, folks. Well, thank you for tuning into another episode of Bucks of America podcast. Have fun this rainy Memorial Day weekend because I'm probably sure going to get this up fairly quickly because I can't do a whole lot.